Before I get to my next guest, Damon Hack, I want to remind you about a few of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Squares Golf. Are you like me, always considering new golf equipment, maybe a new driver? Well, let me reset your thinking because I discovered Squares Golf Shoes. The patented square toe provides balance, stability, and a wider base for increased connection to the ground, effectively increasing your swing speed by 2.2 miles per hour and an average of 9 yards of distance. Independent testing proves it. That's right. It's proven in science. Go to squares.com, that's S-Q-A-I-R-Z.com, and get Squares' 30-day money-back guarantee. Use promo code DISTANCE for $20 off. Remember, distance comes from swing speed, and swing speed comes from your connection to the ground. And folks, I wouldn't tell you about it if I didn't experience it for myself. I've never felt more stable in my golf swing, which allows me to swing faster and launch it further. Squares, the distance golf shoe. I also want to remind you about our friends over at Bionic Gloves. Whether you're looking to own the golf greens, improve your workouts, or get your hands dirty in the garden, Bionic Gloves have you covered. Designed with a hand specialist, Bionic Gloves feature patented innovations that help improve your grip. The strategically placed anatomical relief pads also help prevent calluses and blisters, while the web and motion zones allow for greater dexterity and flexibility. Head over to BionicGloves.com to find the perfect glove to up your game. And this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at Zexio. In 2001, Zexio Strixon began making clubs for men and women, and they've improved on those clubs every year since. I was fit for a set of Zexio 10 irons by a great fitter on their staff. He got me dialed in, and they feel and perform fantastically. They are light. I've picked up nearly 5 miles per hour in swing speed, and they're deadly accurate. Every part of Zexio clubs are made exclusively for Zexio. Everything is light and balanced, swing weights are made to give us the highest smash factor, and the best part of getting fit for Zexio clubs is hitting it higher and straighter than ever before, changing your game. Zexio clubs are a Golf Digest Hot List Gold winner for 2021. NB Park is a Zexio ambassador, as are Ernie Els and top instructor Martin Hall. See why and how Zexio can help your game as well. Go online to ZexioUSA.com, that's X-X-I-O-USA.com, and pick which set is right for you. Okay, now back and next on the tee with me is Golf Today and live from host Damon Hack. Let me remind you about Damon's background. He's from L.A. He graduated from UCLA with his undergraduate degree and from UC Berkeley with his master's degree in journalism. He started out covering the San Francisco 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. In 2000, he moved over to Newsday covering the New York Knicks and golf. In 2002, he joined the New York Times covering golf and the NFL. In 07, he joined Sports Illustrated covering golf and the NFL for them. He joined the Golf Channel back in 2012 and is by far one of the best hosts and interviewers anywhere on the planet. And I'm honored that he's back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Damon, thanks for coming back on the show. Chris, it's great to be with you again. That was a very kind introduction. It's uh, very, very kind. I appreciate you, pal. Ah, same right back at you. So, Damon, I know you are uh, just coming off covering the Ryder Cup. What was it like being on the grounds at Whistling Straits? It was electric, man. It was quite the week of great golf, especially if you're a fan of the red, white, and blue, and just incredible passion. Uh, that a team that many thought could gel, could bond, found a way to pull together, win one for 
the Wisconsin native Steve Sticker, and also kind of some great play from from John Rom, even though on the losing side, confirming in my mind that he's the best player in the world. I just, you know, I kind of thought, well, then, you know, the 24 best players in the world, and even in defeat, I kind of walked away from Cole or thinking he's the best player on the planet, and, and there's a little daylight between he and DJ and JT and Rory and, and all the rest. But it was fun. It was fun being there, energy. I love sportsmanship. I love the tears from Rory at the end of it all and how much he loved the part of a team and how much it hurt that he didn't play his best golf. was happy to get a point for the Europeans on Sunday. But, man, just the, the pageantry, the color, uh, the storyline, uh, the, the party afterwards with the Americans kind of celebrating the cigars and champagne. It, it was quite uh, a scene to be a part of. And, Damon, like you mentioned a moment ago, I think going in, all the talk was about the U.S. team and whether or not they could really coexist with one another, what it would be like in the team room. Could they check their egos and, and play as a team? And then we exit the Ryder Cup wondering if the European team may be too old, too thin, not not going to be able to be competitive in 2023 in Italy. Do you think the whole you know script has now flipped the other direction? Or is it like what we see in the NFL, Damon? It's sort of overreaction Monday and Tuesday just based on one loss. Yeah, I'm still going to say overreaction Monday, Tuesday, until the Americans go on foreign soil and, and win a Ryder Cup, something they haven't done since 1993. So I think that the Americans are clearly uh, the better team right now, going in the right direction. This was a change Ryder Cup in two directions. One, you had new voices in that team room for the United States, young voices, the JTs and the Jordan Spieths and the Brysons and the Tony Finals and the Xanders and the Cantleys. Those are the guys that will be carrying this team going forward. You know, Tiger wasn't there and Phil was a vice captain, so kind of a turning of the page from those two great legends who, let's be honest, didn't always have their best in the Ryder Cup. And then on the other side, you have the Europeans who are aging out. You know, Poulter perhaps in his last, Lee Westwood almost definitely in his last, Paul Casey, perhaps, in his last. I think we haven't seen the last of Sergio. But the Europeans will have to find some some young players to kind of fill those roles of those Ryder Cup legends. And I do think that age may have caught up with some of those guys last week um, outside of Sheboygan, Kohler, Wisconsin. And, Damon, a lot was made of Captain Stricker's captain's picks, right? The six Ryder Cup rookies that also were, were part of this U.S. team. One of those guys that really shined was Scotty Scheffler. And Stricker kind of raised some eyebrows when he picked Scheffler over maybe someone like a Webb Simpson or certainly a Patrick Reed. And then all Scheffler did was go out there and go 2-0-1, including beating John Rahm 4-3 and in the singles on Sunday. Talk about what we're seeing from Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, it was cool. I got to spend a little time with his dad, Scott, um, during the matches. And then he told me kind of quietly just how much it meant to Scotty to be a part of this team and I guess Scotty had some tears when he found out that, that Stricker was going to choose him for one of those precious six wild card spots. And this is someone who was a star as an amateur, you know, played great golf for John Fields at the University of Texas, won a U.S. junior amateur. Uh, Coach Fields told me that like Jordan Spieth, like David Duvall, like Tiger, Scotty Kepler has the it factor. It's hard to exactly kind of put that into actual meaning. It's almost an intangible. But I think we saw a little bit of that is factor last week in Wisconsin, seeing how a young player who doesn't have a team tool win yet, uh, was able to bring his game, bring his best, gel with the team, uh, take out John Rom 
uh, on Sunday singles, which uh, which spoke a lot for just his talents as well. And I also think that what Steve Fisher did very well was give the players voice in the team room, much like Paul Azinger before him, allowing the players to be empowered and to really have a say in who they played with and who they wanted to be on the team. And I do think it was fascinating that someone who, let's be honest, for whatever controversy surrounds him, you know, Patrick Reed had played mostly very well, you know, getting the nickname Captain America for his performance in the Ryder Cup and President's Cup. So it was, you know, obviously a leap, a leap out, but I think that, you know, knowing the controversy that occasionally follows him and, and knowing how he figured the opinions of the, the team room said a lot. You know, Kevin now on the outside looking in, a Sam Burns, you know, you talk about Kevin Pitzer or Webb Simpson. I, I think both they wanted. I think Steve Sticker had exactly who he wanted, and the results were a resounding 19-9 to victory. Speaking of Patrick Reed and all the things that sort of surround him, and you mentioned some of the other really good young players that could really play their way onto the 2023 team. If Reed isn't one of the top six next go-round, can you see him being a captain's pick going forward? Or does all the stuff that sort of surrounds him and then potentially some of the guys really not being that much of a fan that might not want to play with a Patrick Reed, can you see him being a part of a Ryder Cup team in the future? Or do you think some of the things that um, have now become part of his reputation may preclude him from ever being picked again? I tell you what, the only way he gets back outside of qualifying outright is that he falls on his sword. And, and we may not know if and when that happens, if he makes right with with Jordan Speed, with Tiger. I mean, 2018, you know, how quickly we forget that post-round press conference and kind of throwing Speed and, and Jim Furyk under the bus. He uh, went to the New York Times, my former employer, and actually great reporting by Karen Krause, who was the golf writer who uh, was a couple after me and, and, and got Patrick to speak his mind. And Patrick was unhappy with how he was deployed. He was unhappy with the breaking up of the speech read team that had been so dynamic. But, you know, his consolation prize was some golf with Tiger Woods, which is a terrible thing. Uh, but I do think that Patrick probably has to make things right. And I do think that when it's a flip of a coin, if it's a close call, uh, he may not get the nod. And I think it's going to take some contrition probably on his part. I understand that Steve Figger called him, and it was a difficult call, knowing how much Patrick Reed bleeds red, white, and blue, and how much he's performed in match play situations, leading Augusta State, for example, to back-to-back national championships, and, of course, his Ryder and President Cup record. But I think that some bridges were burned. He's got to work on building those bridges back, and that's going to take some work. It's going to take some years. It's going to take some behavioral, you know, kind of changes perhaps as well. So if he gets to that seven spot, eight spot that's close, um, a captain may have a tough time justifying leaving him off. But if he's in the 11, 12, 13, 14, I could see this story continue to play out this way unless Patrick Reed shows some, some contrition. And I think that the voices of Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth uh, will have a lot to say on how often we see Patrick Reed going forward without being an automatic qualifier. And Damon, DJ was senior man on the U.S. team at age 37. DJ's not a rah-rah sort of guy. We did see some fist pumps when the putts were dropping. He goes 5-0 and 
this year, and uh, he might have been the quietest MVP on a team ever. And he and Morikawa were uh, certainly quite a dynamic duo. But is he the leader of the team, or is it really shifted down to someone like JT, who's got a lot of fire in his belly? Jordan Spieth, you mentioned being a, a guy up there as well. Who do you see as sort of the leader of this team going forward? Yeah, I, I really see it as JT and, and Jordan. I think kind of almost like a combo platter. You know, Jordan's a little bit quieter. Uh, JT very, very emotional and evocative. He's about as busy gets the job done. He's more of a leader by example. Doesn't say a lot, though. He did say quite a bit when he was, let's say, well lubricated and enjoying uh, some champagne <laughs> afterwards. Funny, I got to spend some time with you guys. Uh, one of two men to be awarded the inaugural Nicholas Jacklin Award presented by Aon for their sportsmanship and performance and teamwork. So that spoke highly of DJ as well. And I do think that he's an extremely popular player in the locker room. There's not a guy you're going to find that's going to say a bad word about DJ. Much like a Fred Couples, he just kind of sashays through life. Uh, he glides through life he, like a panther. He just looks good in whatever outfit he wears. He's an athlete. Uh, couples could hit a frozen rope with a Louisville slugger. He could swish a basketball from three-point range. DJ similarly can dunk a basketball barefoot. He's just one of those guys that was good at every sport he picked up. The guy you pick first on the playground when you're in elementary school all the way through high school. Uh, he's jock tough. Uh, not loud, not rah-rah, but my goodness, what a talent. And I do think he's extremely popular. And I do think when you have the DJ kind of as the old man, you got these youngsters who all grew up playing golf. I mean, Kentley and Xander, terrific friends. And Morikawa knows those guys. And JT and Spieth been playing together since the AJGA days. Everybody loves Tony Finau. A lot of good eggs in that locker room. And I think that outside of just being the – the, the higher-ranked team and the better team, they also had some intangibles this time, which I think in past years have been lacking. And, Damon, going into the Ryder Cup, I felt like Bryson DeChambeau was starting to go down a kind of a dark street, dark path. He was, you know, obviously getting all the Brooksy chants and some negative interaction with fans over what was going on. He was refusing to talk to the media. But I think the loudest cheers and roars came for what he was doing there at Whistling Straits. Obviously, the 417-yard drive was a big deal. You mentioned driving the first hole and then walking off the, the tee with his putter in, in his hand and then making that eagle putt. But when you think about someone doing themselves a favor and improving their own personal brand, did anyone do anything better than Bryson did at the Ryder Cup? Nobody did, and I'm 100% in agreement. And I thought going in, Chris, that this would be a chance for, for Bryson to really kind of hit the reset button and change the storyline from the heckling and the, the catcalls that he's been receiving from the playoffs to even before that in Memphis at the WGC, him hitting into the water and the crowd erupting in, in laughter and teasing him and calling him Brooksy. I, I knew going in that, that Bryson would, would be um, – a popular player. This was his chance to wear the red, white, and blue and have everybody in his corner. And, and, you know, everybody wants to be liked at the end of the day, and I think he wants it a little more. And it wasn't that long ago in the springtime at the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill where he was, you know, taking on the par 5-6, and everybody loved him. He was the story of golf. He wins that golf tournament, plays great at the Players' Championship. He was the 
kind of the winner of the Florida swing in many cases. You know, he was very popular and, and moving the needle for all the right reasons. And I just think some of his comments along the way, whether it was, you know, blaming his driver for a poor day at the office at the Open Championship, and then, of course, the back and forth with Kepka, how nice to see them kind of hug it out and put those petty grievances aside for the betterment of a Ryder Cup team that, let's be honest, needed it. They needed a victory very, very badly. And nice to see him kind of luxuriate in that. And of course, this week he's competing out in Mesquite with the, the world long drive circuit. So kind of carrying the good vibes from Kohler. And listen, for someone who changed his body, changed his clubs, uh, and has been bent on changing the game, Bryce has had some moments where he's been the most talked about player on tour. And, and I think that he's different. I think that he goes about things in a way we really haven't seen. He was criticized when he came out with the long uh, single-length irons. He was criticized when he said he was going to go to the gym and change his body. And he, he won a U.S. Open at Wingfoot by by six shots, and he's done great at this Ryder Cup, and he's one of the best players on the PGA Tour. And I think that at the end of the day, a lot of what he has done has been validated, and now it looks like he's got the fans back in his corner as well. So do you think all of this Brooks and Bryson thing, is that over now? Have we Can we put that to bed, that they're hugging it out and all that sort of thing? Is all that now behind us, so. or do you think we'll I see think some so. more? I, yeah, I think, I think, in fact, Bryson gave a little bit of a hint that we may see a, a little tournament, perhaps over Thanksgiving between those two, kind of similar to what we've seen with Tiger and Barkley and Phil and Tom Brady and, you know, Peyton and Aaron Rodgers, there's been some scuttlebutt rumor that, that Brooks and Bryson may be doing something together. And in some ways, you know, the, the journalist in me, the, the old newspaper and magazine crowd, wonders if this whole thing wasn't a little bit overblown on purpose because, you know, the PJ Tour has this PIP program now, this player impact program where for Google impressions and social media popularity, there's like a $40 million pot wait for for, uh, I want to say somewhere from eight to ten players at the end of the year. So, Brooks and Bryson, for all their little back and forth, they're going to be, you know, lining their wallets pretty nicely for all that noise they made. But I think because they won a Ryder Cup together, uh, hugged it out, will compete in, in some sort of made for TV event. Uh, I think they each respect each other in terms of how they go about their business. They are both very serious about their job, both major champions, uh, uh both winners. And I think that uh, when you get a couple of Brahma Bulls, uh, a couple of Alpha Males, every once in a while you have a little static. But I think those two put it behind them. And I think that most of the heckling, most of it, you know, you never know how someone's going to react when they get a couple beers in them. But for the most part, I think the heckling is probably going to be put to bed. Damon, just a couple more before I let you go. And we all heard Rory McIlroy's emotional interview on Sunday about how much the Ryder Cup means to him and being a part of the European team. I was particularly touched by his comment about hoping that, you know, young boys and girls that are watching and they're going to aspire to want to be a part of a Solheim Cup or a Ryder Cup team someday. I know you have three young boys who are getting into the game. What do you think about his emotional response and that message? I just absolutely loved it. I ate it up. Just further confirmation of how special Rory McIlroy is, how thoughtful he is, and how how tough it must be for someone who can look at the big picture and be so thoughtful, and then also be asked to be, you know, an assassin inside the ropes. And I think it's hard for him as he's got older and he's a dad, and 
he likes to meditate and he enjoys wine and he's a thinker and he reads. He's just got so many different levels to him. And I think that seeing his tears after that uh, Sunday singles win and being put out there first and talking about just the emotion, you know, a colleague of mine, Kyle Porter from CBS, wrote about how part of the, the tears were the fact that the, the team does not go out 11th in Sunday singles. And, and Kyle beautifully wrote about this this moment that really touched Rory. And then we saw how much he was touched with those tears afterwards. And I said on both live from on that Sunday night and then on Golf Today on Monday that, you know, there were 24 five-tool players out there. And I said Rory McIlroy is a five-tool human being. He's just very, very deep. He's thoughtful. Um, he sees the big picture. To bring up the kids in the Solheim Cup and future Ryder Cups, I just thought, man, this guy is is a, a gift to our game and those who love it. So, Damon, I'm going to be a little selfish here because I want to go back to your time working at Sports Illustrated. You may know that I'm from Pittsburgh. I'm a huge Steelers fan, and I believe you covered Super Bowl 43 for SI when the Steelers beat the Cardinals. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm Andy Pettit and I'm misremembering this, but I believe you wrote the cover story for SI about that Steelers victory. Is that accurate? That is accurate. The, the first of two Super Bowl stories that I wrote, and my goodness, um, it was in Tampa, and uh, my gosh, I'm getting goosebumps thinking back to, to what an honor it was. And it's funny you mention that because you'll recall Patrick Harrington talking about the 500 or so astronauts there have been and the 100 and so, you know, European Ryder Cuppers where there's only been like 50 some odd, you know, people who have written a cover story Super Bowl for for Sports Illustrated. And I'm one of those guys. I've done it twice. And I, I remember watching that game from the from the press room. I remember James Harrison with the interception right before half. And I literally got out of my chair in the press, in the press box and started pacing back and forth. I was so excited. And then, of course, the San Antonio Holmes with the, the toe touch uh, out the great pass from Big Ben and, and that win and chasing Ben down after the game. And he said how much he didn't really feel a part of their win over the Seahawks because he was a young quarterback and they kind of won despite him. He'd made some mistakes. And, and this one, he had the ball in his hands and he was a leader of men. And it just was a different feeling for him after kind of feeling like they won that Super Bowl uh, against the Seahawks uh, just despite him. So it was neat to to be able to to kind of relive the, some of those moments and think about that. I, whenever I cover a big event, I, I always think back to my Super Bowl riding days and, and how much fun I had being able to to kind of chase down those NFL games. And, you know, I also did the Patriots-Giants, uh, their second meeting when, when Eli got the better of Tom Brady again. But, my goodness, so much fun uh, covering that Steelers-Cardinals uh, tilt many, many years ago. Damon, before I let you go, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things that you're out there achieving, whether they're following you on social media or online or TV. Well, like uh, Scotty for playing for me, I'm I'm kind of a an older dude, but uh, I've got most social media handles that I think reflect my 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 loves of uh, and hobbies. One, of course, is, is Damon Hackett GC uh, as a Golf Channel employee and. and now of nine years, uh, that's one at Damon Hack GC, and then at Goats and Grapes uh, is an Instagram page that I started uh, on appreciation of the intersection of, of sports and wine. So I've got some pictures of 
gosh, I got Rory up there, Chris DeMarco. I think I might have a Phil picture of talked about some wine Phil likes as well. So at Goats and Grapes dot com and at Goats and Grapes on Instagram. Probably spend more time on, on that site than I do on, on uh, Damon Hack GC these days. I'm, I'm enjoying vino. I think uh, being a father uh, has uh, increased my enjoyment of wine. <laughs> Good for you, my friend. <laughs> But Damon, it's always a lot of fun having you as part of this show. You make it uh, a lot, a lot of fun. Very informative. You always make me smile. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. I hope we get the privilege of catching up with you again soon, my friend. It's always a pleasure. Uh, your gift to this game, uh, your behavior, your comportment, especially on social media, which can be a little bit dicey sometimes. You're always spreading positive words and. And just uh, putting a smile on a lot of people's face. So uh, whenever you send out the vine, I'll do my best to join you, my friend. I appreciate that very much. Take care, Damon. All the best to uh, your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. And to you, Chris. Be well. See you, Damon. That's the great Damon Hack at Goats and Grapes. Goats and Grapes is uh, the, the new love. So be sure to follow him online and on social media there at Damon Hack. GC is, is where you can find him as well. And a finer individual, folks, you will not find than Damon Hack. What a, what a wonderful human being he is. Speaking about spreading positivity, no one does it better than Damon Hack. Very privileged to have him as part of the show and always look forward to having him here. So hopefully we get that privilege again real soon.